Chapter Twenty Seven of the Exploits of Juve by Marcella Lane and Pierre Souvestre. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Seven: The Mother Superior. The Mother Superior, if you please. The door shut automatically upon Fandor. He was in the little inner court of the small convent, face to face with a sister, who gazed in alarm at the unexpected guest. The journalist persisted. Can I see the Mother Superior? Well, sir, yes, no, I think not. The worthy nun evidently did not know what to say. Finally making up her mind, she pointed to a passage, and drawing aside to let the journalist pass, said, Be good enough to go in there and wait a few moments. Fandor was ushered into a large, plain, and austere room, doubtless the parlor of the community. At the windows hung long white curtains, while before the half-dozen armchairs lay tiny rugs of matting. The floor, very waxed, was slippery to the tread. The journalist regarded curiously the walls upon which were hung here and there religious figures or chromos of an edifying kind. Above the chimney hung a great crucifix of ebony. But for the noise from without, the passing of the trains and motors, and were it not also for the fine savor of cooking and roast onions, one might have thought oneself a hundred leagues from the world in the peaceful calm of this little convent. Fandor, on leaving Bernardin, had decided to fulfill without delay a pious mission given to him by Jou's victim. Taken in at the time of his accident by the sisters of the Rue Charmille, Bernardin had received from them the first aid his condition required, and as he had left them without a word of thanks, he had begged Fandor to return and hand them on his behalf a fifty-franc bill for their poor. After some minutes the door opened and a nun appeared. She greeted Fandor with a slight movement of the head, while the journalist bowed deferentially before her. "'Have I the honor of speaking to the Mother Superior?' "'Our mother sends her excuses,' murmured the nun, "'for not being able to receive you at this moment. However, I can take her place, sir. I am in charge of the finances of the house.' "'I bring you news, sister.' The nun clasped her hands. "'Good news, I hope. How is the poor young man doing?' As well as can be expected, the ball was extracted without trouble by the doctors. I shall thank St. Thomas, the patron saint of surgeons, and his assailant, surely he will be well punished. Fandor smiled. His assailant was the victim of a terrible misconception. He is a most upright man. Then I will pray to St. Ives, the patron saint of advocates, to get him out of his difficulty. Well, cried Fandor, since you have so many saints at command, sister, you would do well to point out to me the one who might favor the efforts of the police in their struggle with the ruffians. The nun was a woman of sense who understood a joke. She rejoined, You might try St. George, sir, the patron saint of warriors. Then becoming serious again, the sister made an end of the interview. Our mother superior will be very much touched, sir, when I report the kind step you have taken in coming here to us. Allow me, sister, broke in Fandor, my mission is not over yet. Here the journalist discreetly proffered the note. This is from Monsieur Bernardin for your poor. The nun was profuse in her thanks, and looking at Fandor with a touch of malice, you may perhaps smile, sir, if I say I shall thank St. Martin, the patron saint of the charitable. In any case, I shall do it with my whole heart. The soft sound of a bell came from the distance. The sister instinctively turned her head, and looked through the windows at the inner cloister of the convent. 
The bell calls you, no doubt, sister, he inquired. It is indeed the hour of vespers. Fandor, followed by the sister, left the parlor and reached the outer gate. Already the porter was about to open it for him when he pulled up short. Moving at a measured pace, one behind the other, the ladies of the community crossed the courtyard, going toward the chapel at the far end of the garden. Sister, Fandor inquired anxiously, who is that nun who walks at the head? That is our holy mother superior. Fandor was lucky enough to find a taxi as he left the little convent, into which he jumped. He was immersed in such deep reflections that when the taxi stopped, he was quite surprised to find himself in the Rue Bonaparte, when he had meant to go up to Bernardin's and expected to reach Montmartre. Where did I tell you to go? he asked the driver. The man looked at his fare in amazement. To the address you gave me, I suppose. Fandor did not reply, but paid his fare. Heaven inspires me, he thought. To be sure, I wanted to see Bernardin to tell them that I had done his commission. But it was to Juve I should have gone after what I found out at the convent. The journalist remained motionless on the pavement without seeming to feel the jostling of the passers-by. He stood there with his eyes fixed on the ground, his mind lost in a dream. He had unconsciously gone back several years to his mysterious childhood, stormy and restless. He went over again in thought, this last affair, which had once more brought him so intimately into Jou's life, the abominable crime in the Cité Frochot, in which Chalek and Lupart were involved, and behind them Fantomas, the crime of which the victim, as Juve had clearly established, was no other than Lady. He quickly entered the house and rushed up the stairs, but halted on the landing. What have I come here for? If I am to believe the papers that Juve was under lock and key, it must be instinct that guides me. I feel that I am going to see Juve. Besides, I must. He did not ring, for he enjoyed the unique favor of a key which allowed him to enter Juve's place at will. He entered and went straight to the study. It was empty. Then he cried out, Juve, many things have happened since I had the pleasure of seeing you. Be good enough to let me into your office. I have two words to say to you. But Fandor's words fell dead in the silence of the apartment. After this summons, he made his way into the office and ensconced himself in an armchair. Cheerly Fandor was assured his friend had heard him, and he was not wrong. Two seconds later, lifting a curtain that hid a secret entrance to the study, Jou appeared. You speak as if you knew I was here. The two men looked at each other and burst into shouts of laughter. So you understand it was all a put-up affair intended to make our opponents believe that, for a time, I was powerless to hurt them. What do you think of my notion? First rate, replied Fandor. The more so that the fair Josephine saw with her own eyes some of the force taking you off to prison. Everybody believe it, don't they? Everybody. Look here. You spoke just now as though you knew I was here. Fandor smiled. The odor of hot smoke is easily distinguished from the dankness of cold tobacco. Juve approved. Well done, Fandor. Here, for your pains, roll a cigarette and let's talk. Have you anything fresh? Yes, and a lot, too. Fandor related the talk he had had with Bernardin, touching Valgrand the actor, and Madame Valgrand, alias Madame Raymond. Juve uttered his reflections aloud. This is one riddle the more to solve. I still adhere to the theory that Josephine, some months ago, was brought into intimate relations with Lady Beltham, whose body I discovered at Cité Frochot and later identified. Fandor sprang up 
and placed both of his hands upon Juve's shoulders. Lady Beltham is not dead. She is alive. As surely as my name's Fandor, the superior of the convent at Nogent is Lady Beltham. End of chapter 27